I learned from Elaine Ingham and then I started reading your books and it felt like I was following the same path. And you go, you go into the plant processes and you map it out so well. I feel like your trilogy maps out so much. I mean, it is like the primer for everyone getting involved in understanding the relationship between plants and soil. Well, I, I appreciate that. And of course, uh, Dr. Elaine, she's the goddess of goddesses. Uh, I mean, you know, put us all down the right path. I can tell you that right now. And, and uh, actually teaming with microbes, I wrote for her uh, because, because she didn't have time. She's so busy doing all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, and the trilogy is about to become, I like to call myself Lord of the Roots because I have three books out. But uh, the trilogy is about to become a quartet. Uh, with a book coming out on September 27th, and it's teeming with bacteria, the Organic Gardener's Guide to Rhizophagy and Endophytic Bacteria. This is amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm so yeah. excited to read it. Oh. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, of course, as, as you know, uh, uh, both subjects are in their infancy. Uh, you know, uh, I think we add Dr. James White to the to the Pantheon, uh, and, and if I could pronounce her name, unfortunately I can't, the wonderful woman in Australia uh, who discovered rhizophagy. Uh, uh, but, but in any case, uh, the soil food web uh, operates the same as it did before. We just know a little bit more about it. I, I think as, you, as you've indicated in, in your book there, uh, you know, we, we really are just in the shallow end here. Uh, we, we haven't figured out how to, how to survive in the deep end of the soil. So we'll get there and we'll be swimming in there and figuring out what's going on. And this is, this is an advancement that I thought was important enough, you know, to have a separate, a separate book on. I mean, it really, when you know that some plants get 40% of their nitrogen from this process, you got to add it to the soil food web. But in any case, um, Soil's fabulous and fascinating, and uh, I'm glad I don't live in Texas with your soils. That's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Did you catch James White's new paper on E. coli? Yeah. Uh, I've, been follow I've been following his, his paper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the whole idea that trichomes, uh, you know, of course, that, that's been, that was when I wrote the book, a year ago, or maybe I guess, yeah, it's about been about a year because she, it goes through that process. That was a theory that that trichomes, you know, it was a theory, and it was pretty obvious that, hey, <laughs> that's got to be. So it's mentioned as a theory that that, but stay tuned, and of course, boom, quick. So things are really advancing. It's really it's really terrific. Uh, the whole the whole concept of the soil food web when. When Dr. Elaine started talking about this stuff, I mean, of course, there were a lot of people who just laughing their heads off. And they couldn't wrap their heads around it. Uh, I remember going to a meeting um, uh, in two, 1998 or nine, I think, and asking garden writers of America whether anybody knew what a mycorrhizal fungi was, and nobody did. Wow. Uh, and she spoke at that meeting, and I'll tell you what, the scales fell off the uh, eyelids and uh i don't i don't think there's a real garden writer anywhere in america probably in the world that promotes 
chemicals, period. Mm. Uh, whereas it used to be 100% use this, put this on it, mix this green powder, or whatever. Uh, and that's just not the, that's just, you know. Phew. So when I, when I look at Dr. Elaine, I think, my God, the revolution that, that she spurred, I mean, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we owe her an incredible debt. And it, and I've I've gone back and read her papers, and it's really fascinating because um, it's clear, like you said, she's doing so much. I kind of fall into this busybody thinking, and my wife's like, "You need to eat. You need to do this." Ha! And yeah. and um, it's clear from a paper she wrote in 1981 uh, on how to actually image roots. Uh, for mycorrhizal inoculation rates, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, with in eighty in eighty one. In yeah. eighty one. So right, she understood right. theoretically all of these things before anyone had ever put them into regular practice. So yeah, and I think she, and I think she suffered uh, the slings and arrows of of people who were not uh, as advanced as she was and who had didn't have the grounding in the subject that she had and and. Anyway, she's she's quite remarkable, and and um, I, you know, we all owe her a, a, a gigantic debt. I mean, from regenerative soils—that's soil food web to me—to uh, to, uh, you know, no rototilling. I mean, the, the, you think of the the forget the amateurs, the professionals, the farmers uh, who who operate using the soil food web. Uh, you know, have no idea who Dr. Eileen is and, 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 and what she did for them. I mean, it's just simply incredible. Wow. Nobel, Nobel, Nobel prize winnings kind of stuff as far as I'm concerned, but absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I actually would love to like, I don't know, someday like either do it or have someone else do it, but a documentary because those papers were written with her husband and her together as this like tag team for like 10 years they're like co-writing these incredible papers and gathering other people from other parts of the food web because they were nematodologists, right? And so they gathered other people yeah, to represent yeah. the different members and then they created uh, the, the, the monologue. Yeah. Well, I think they also, they also put together the science. <laughs> yeah, the different, the different sciences were put together. So there was a merging of microscopy and, uh, you know, it, it just all came together and, Again, I say we we owe her really? a gigantic debt. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. That um, I didn't know the part about the microscopy. Um, obviously, well, they don't I mean, say in these papers like we're the first to do that. You know what I mean? That's how science yeah. papers work. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, but but anyway, the context. That's yeah. amazing. And, and and again, you know, there were there were people who just laughed at you know the soil food. Were, come on, no, forget it. And then you go back, you go back and you, I mean, the change is so radical. You go back, I have collections of old organic gardening, farming and gardening magazine, uh, Rodale magazines, way back in the 50s. You can't find the word bacteria uh, or fungus unless it's a negative associated with it. And, and Or endophyte. Oh, endophyte, endophyte is the rarest word. <laughs> That's why James White has been so amazing. And I mean, he's been at it for, I think, 40 years at Rutgers? Yeah, quite, quite some time, quite some time. And I, you know, I got introduced to her by uh, uh, a woman who just died last week, unfortunately, Judith Fitzpatrick, who, who, who invented a gadget called the microbiometer, which measures 
the, the microbial mass in your soil. Whoa. And so if your microbial mass is growing, you're adding the soil food web is operating in a way that it's adding to your soils. It is regenerating your soils. And if your microbial mass decreases because you're doing something to it, then you're losing. And, and uh, it's a terrific little instrument that you operate on. It's a test. You do it in your, in your own backyard. If you want to, mm -hmm. you use your cell phone to, to make it operate and, and you get a reading on your cell phone. It's just, five dollars it's just incredible um to me it's going to replace the ph test. not replace the ph test but it's going to be comparable to the ph test it's that important uh it tells you whether your soils are teeming with microbes but but uh uh she she uh and again i say she just passed away and it's really sad um she, she really uh got the concept you know and every now and then people do and James White introduced was was introduced to be by her mm. uh, because because uh, she had read a couple of his fungal papers and, and whatnot. And really, I, I, the first time I talked to him and I saw uh, that he had a mushroom behind his uh, the head, you know, he was sitting there and uh, and, I, and I, you know, I had to pinch myself. Yeah, he's really a, a mycologist more than a bacteriologist, I think. I, I could be wrong, but anyway, what a terrific he guy. Uh, yeah, he's, my, have, he's a mycologist. Yeah, yeah, he's a terrific guy, terrific guy. And, and there's so many wonderful papers. Oh my gosh, when you write a book, <laughs> you read a lot of papers. Um, and there's so many terrific papers that he wrote about endophytic fungi as opposed to endophytic bacteria um, to the point where I think I might have to go back and amend or not amend i guess they call it revising in the publishing world teaming fungi uh to put put a good solid chapter on endophytes because they're really important and for those who don't know what we're talking about an endophyte is a microorganism that lives inside a plant uh for at least part of its life not necessarily its entire life without harming the plant and very often they help the plant Oh, in fact, almost usually they help the plant. Otherwise, the plant gets rid of them. But uh, so, yeah, they're very important. And we're beginning to we're beginning to learn how to breed them and harness them, and and uh, their use is trickling down into the gardening world. So you know, ordinary people can use them. So, how did you get started in gardening? Uh, I grew up, as I think I mentioned, uh, in, in this uh, community in Westchester County that people don't think of as a farming uh, community, uh, but we lived on eight acres, and my father was a frustrated farmer. He'd come home every night, take his, his uh, dress shoes off, put on his gardening shoes, and, so, and go out and garden. So if you wanted to be with my father at all, you, you had to spend time in the garden. And that's what we did. Uh, and, wow. and it was quite a great way to grow up where I grew up because we grew most of our food. Um, most of the people did not. And so I learned something, which is terrific. Now, he was, he was a uh, chemical gardener because our family has an association with miracle Grow. Uh, the guy who started miracle Grow worked for my father and grandfather in the butter business, hated it so much that he looked for something else to do and found miracle Grow. Uh, so, so, um, uh, we have, we have an association with miracle grow and, uh, my father was a miracle grow gardener, uh, until he met J.I. Rodell, stopped spraying the apples and everything else and became a very organic gardener, which is why I have all these old copies of 
uh, organic gardening and farming. So anyway, uh, yeah, I grew up in New York and, and started gardening when I was six months old because my father would bring me out in a little basket and leave me there while he rototilled. Uh, I didn't have enough vocabulary then or knowledge to be able to tell him, don't rototill, Dad. Uh, but, but that's what he did. Uh, and it was fun. It was a great way to grow up. That's amazing. I, my mom was a teacher and I became mm -hmm. a high school teacher. And when mm -hmm. I was a high school teacher, the bureaucracy very soon got to me. And I was the guy in the garden yeah. after work, just yeah, yeah. trying to let it all go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, my father sold butter. If you can imagine how dull that is. Uh, so he let it all go. And it was one of these things. It was a family business. He, you know, Went to work for his father. Anyway, it's a, it, it was a terrific way to grow up, and 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 really, gardening is is what people need to be doing because there's so much going on out there. I mean, we always think we're we're the center of the earth, and then you you know you look at these things that are happening, and, uh, and then you learn about rhizophagy, and oh my god, yeah. So it's it's just terrific, and the tools keep changing and getting better and making it more interesting, and uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, isn't that incredible? And the ability to be able to pretty soon, I think, uh, take a sample, take a picture of it, know what the bacteria in it are. The yeah. end of you know, I mean, it's just going to be. Whew, I mean, we can well, already send samples into to, to you know places, and wow, it's just amazing. So I was contacted by these folks in Denmark and they were telling me that they have a program they've been feeding all the data they can find into and mm -hmm. private. But then I was like, will you put that information and feed it onto our <laughs> silence? <laughs> but it basically, I don't know what their initial like thing was, but they were like, basically let me know that like, we're doing this, we're developing an AI, it can read everything and so i was like oh snap well i want one for the people you know yeah. and and, well, and, and, and so i have this dna sequencer and it's amazing how affordable the nanopore minion sequencer is so Please. i can do dna sequencing at home and i can do without pcring bacteria like easily wow. bacteria wow. breaks down super easily yeah, sure. And so connecting the visuals with the DNA samples as a check, like, has never been done. Like, it's like going well, to the back of the book and looking like sure. what was yeah. there. <laughs> well, can you imagine when it's all on your iPhone mm. and you go up and take a picture, you know, you take a, a sample and you take a picture of it somehow. Yeah, I mean, or there's a little attachment like you. Got, right. Uh, yeah, you shake yeah. it up. And then you attach yeah. it to your phone to it right there and you go Doop. and then it focuses for you auto focuses and you're like and you're scrolling around finding what you want and you're like oh that boom yeah and then yeah. It's spect it does spectrometry on it and tells you the minerals because you probably could get polarized lenses easily put on these things and then they just go through the degrees and do like uh like the way we watch um and something initializing it would just go through all the polarized degrees and just snap, 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 all the right. different minerals. Right. Yeah. Well, when when uh, uh, the microbiometer people, and incidentally, if anybody wants to look at that, it's www.microbiometer.com. When they developed it, it was just for 
it, it only did the uh, biomass mm-hmm. only <laughs> pretty important stuff um but it's hard then, to do. Uh, yeah it's very hard to do and she's a micro she was a microbiologist and had owned a company and uh, worked with filtering and da, 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 da. and I guess when she sold the company they didn't say you're not allowed to <laughs> anyway she went into this business and and worked with a bunch of people and 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 developed this wonderful product and as we worked with it, you, know, you got to have fungal to bacteria ratio. Can you read that into this thing? And so there's several things that, and, and, and pH, I mean, you should be able to do all of these things at once with your cell phone and you can, uh, and it's just fabulous. It's, I'm going to get one. And so, yeah, it's a real, it's a real introduction into what's coming um, in the future. And I think your job is to convince people that this is, important enough to do in your own backyard garden i mean you know the the, the weed growers and the farmers they're gonna they're gonna get the message real quickly yeah it's it's the everyday gardener uh and and there's millions and millions of us who really really need to be educated that this stuff is there it's within reach it's not complicated uh the science is not that difficult and and we're getting there so uh and that's and i think that's why i wrote these books excuse me do you think community labs are the solution to buying some of these uh, more expensive equipment? Because a bionutrient meter is $500, yeah. but yeah. It, it, it can work all day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think what's going to happen is uh, uh, either cooperative extension will be offering it or individual nurseries. I mean, here in Alaska, you want to have a pH test, you go to a nursery and they'll do it for you for free. Uh, you know, it, it, it once this becomes a little bit more accessible and it's getting there, go to a nursery, figure it out. Yeah. You know? uh, I can't see you bringing your, uh, your uh, stuff into CVS. So I guess the nursery is to be the best place to go and do it. At, but. That's so incredible though, because that allows it to be a, a community um, gathering place. And that's, you know, in so much, I feel like is, is the biggest issue is that we're not as a community communicating enough. Um, on the ground and showing our test yeah. results and looking deeper. I'm so yeah. excited for your yeah. new book because all of your books, you get such good pictures. Yeah. You know, this one, uh, unfortunately, Dr. James, who supplied any picture, I mean, what a cooperative, terrific person. Um, and I mean, I sort of approached this book with the idea that I said to Dr. Elaine, I can write a book for you, you know, and, and I said the same thing to James, uh, the pictures are phenomenal. Unfortunately, some of them aren't a high enough pixel to be able to put in a book. Your your way of doing it, uh, terrific. Um, there are some great pictures in there. Uh, there there are some references to websites and whatnot that people can go to. And and again, people just need to learn to use their uh, available tools. To me, the finest tool uh, that a soil food webby uh, individual can use. Uh, is Google <laughs> or mm. DuckDuckGo. I mean, you know, people people write me questions all the time. What do you think I do? I go look it up on Google, you know? I mean, if I, and if I can't find the answer, I can find a paper that'll have the, it, it, it's just- It takes a while. It takes sifting, it reading. But it's fun. It's fun to do it. And it's more fun to put it down and try to write it in, in a simplistic fashion so that an idiot like me can figure it out. And-, and uh, How do you organize your notes? Uh, you know, I don't really, I have papers that I read all over the place. I don't really take notes. 
Um, no, no. I mean, that's what I mean, though. Like, like, like your references, like, 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 um, yeah, not well. Like what I, I do is I print out each paper and I know this is probably someone's like, what are you? Why? I print out everything and I, I organize it by topic. And then I go through highlight and highlight things and I create libraries so I can find yeah. what I thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I sort of, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out how I do it. I've got to, for each one of the books that I've written, I've got the original, you know, all the manuscript stuff and p potential pictures. Uh, you know, you gather hundreds of them, you're only allowed to have 50. You know. uh, and I've got papers all over the place. And unfortunately, I, I you know, I know that someone's going to say, where did you get this particular fact? And I'm going to have to go back and I don't organize very well, I guess, is the answer. Um, and I don't really know what my writing process is for this last book. I sat down and I just started writing. I mean, mm -hmm. I knew I I had an outline for for chapters, um, but but I just started writing, and it was there was so much new stuff I had no idea. And then, ah, it's just it's crazy stuff. Uh, but let's wait to for see the book. What you found? I'm so excited to see what you found. Well, I, I hope you like it. When the book comes out, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that particular thing. But I think. You know, I think it's, it's more important that before that book comes out, people read the trilogy so that they can put it into the right perspective. And it's, you know, when when Teaming with Micro came out, fungi, mycorrhizal fungi, very far off in the in the distance, people people could read one. Uh, it was, a, you know, it wasn't something that people were looking at, and very quickly it came on on the radar. So teaming with fungi really fit in there. And then teaming with nutrients was one of these things that, you know, how do they get all this? We know now how they get the stuff to the plant. How does it get inside the plant? And what happens in the plant? And um, Gave me a whole new perspective on life. Uh, nonetheless, gardening. I mean, it was, you know, it's, it, 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 it's sort of, when I look at various things in regular life, I think, oh, my God, uh, you know, didn't I see that in the microscope or haven't I seen a picture of that inside a cell? It's the James Webb telescope images, right? That everyone's talking about. I'm like, this looks like something familiar. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, to me, it looks like little RNA and mRNA. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, very trippy. Uh, is that inside? Are we? Yeah, it's. I call it the dandelion theory of life. Horton, who here's a who, uh, you know, it's the little people inside the little dandelion. There's another dandelion inside that dandelion. It's just all, it goes, and uh, you know, the trees or infrastructure inside the cell that are, you know, like actin fibers. Anyway, and too many people who garden don't understand that process. And so when you, you know, when you look at your tomato, you don't really know what's going on. And if you don't inside that plant, and if you don't know what's going inside that plant, you can't understand why does pH really make a difference? What nutrient really, you know, and why do you need that nitrogen all over the place? You know, you can't get the concept that it's the backbone of all these enzymes. And there's 10,000 of those enzymes in a single little cell, 10,000 different kinds and probably a thousand of each one. So, you know, in a little teeny cell, why is it there? Why is it needed? You know, what does the sulfur do when you throw it in that little mix? Uh, you know, how does it change those enzymes or make it? People need to know this stuff. Unfortunately, uh, they don't. 
<laughs> they'll learn. Yeah. We're getting we're getting and, and and one of the things John Kemp tried like tried to impress upon me was like that the each of these elements in ions and compounds are different charges. And so they're like keys that unlock processes within the and, and your yeah. book shows that. Yeah. No, it's to me it's very trippy. I mean, it's uh when I give the talk on this stuff, I God, I haven't, you know, pre-COVID and all that kind of stuff. Uh the concept is that everything breaks down into the bonds. It's how things bond together. The same, it's, it's John's way of saying, you know, the charges, because what's at the end of the bonds gives the charges. Um, uh, and, you know, those angles and things are what gave, you know, gave animation to life. And those different angles, and you change those angles, you get different kind of life. It's just, Really, quite so simple. wild though, because when you're in the wavelength, the the blue wavelength, and right. and because the light comes from above, not below, right? The, the plant looks like glass, and so I was like, oh wait, of course, Matt, light has to go into the plant for it to be absorbed, and then I was like, wait a second, if yeah. the fungi look like crystals, they make crystals, and so much of of all these things like colloidal gels, people are like. Well, colloidal gel is a crystalline, uh, like liquid. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, in fourth phase, if you know, I mean, all right. that kind of stuff. So, 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 uh, yeah. And I don't think people get the concept that there's always this little film of liquid around <laughs> around soil particles. Where and how do bacteria swim? You know, and this is fascinating. Well, you know, why is there a corkscrew bacteria? Because that's how they when they're so small. That if you use oars, they wouldn't go anywhere. Uh, corkscrew can, you know, it's just fascinating. And the the, the propellers that they've developed, wow. yeah. So the whole thing just, and again, it goes back to this basic soil food web, all those mm. bacteria running around in there. There's just, you know, I think we just have to reorder things. Are the bacteria there so they can go inside the plant in rhizophage fashion? Or are the bacteria there so that they can be eaten by nematodes and protozoa? Uh, and the rhizophage just came as a, you know, what came first? All those little interesting questions are all, all going to be worked out. It's just, but it fits together so neatly. And the idea that, you know, that there's a particular uh, extra date that's made that feeds the rhizophage uh, bacteria and, um, the Brazophagy bacteria might help the, or, or stimulate the plant to, to create that exudate. Who's in charge? Yeah, it's just all so beautiful and wonderful. And, and again, I, the more people get into it, the more they enjoy it. So I read in Rhys the Rhizosphere, the second edition, that 80 to 90% of the exudation gets reabsorbed. And so for me, that like changed the whole cookies and cakes thing to like Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> Well, you know, either that or uh, there's t there's two two methods. I mean, one method is farming, where you put those exudates out, you attract things, and then you bring them in, and you harvest the stuff. And the other is uh, uh, ranching, where you uh, you bring them in, you shear the wool, and then you put them back out, let them right. grow the wool back again, and you bring them back in again. So so the plant is doing both of those things. Uh, of course, we we are. You know, we're thinking like humans. That's not how the plant obviously thinks about it. But, but I'm I'm certain they're connected, and and we know they're connected. Uh, 
And then it's you a throw in things, loop, right? I mean, that's the, and the only way that the root hairs grow is if there's rhizophagy happening, and they're bombarding right. them with the superoxide. Yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, that's a mind blower right there. I mean, you don't think people are going to believe that? I mean, it's just. Uh, uh, and I, I just, I fa in fact, I just got. Did I send you a copy? No. No, it's just two days. Yeah, two days ago, I got the PDF. Okay. Sorry, people who are listening in here. Uh, uh, I will send you the advanced PDF if you promise not to share it with your readers. Yeah, I uh, won't do that. Absolutely not. Yeah, you know, and, and when I wrote Teaming with Microbes, there were, and if you look at the back of it, there are 19 rules of using the soil food web. Mm. Now, who, you know, who puts 19 rules down? There was obviously a 20th rule, which I had included, and it was don't lend this book to anybody. Make them go out and buy their own copy. Timber Press didn't think that was funny, so they, they took that out. But anyway, I'm going to give it to you, but don't lend it to anybody. You got uh, it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting read. So I'm so excited to read about it. So have you <laughs> thought about the whole implications of horizontal gene transfer and the fact that they're saying now that evolution is not primary for, for changes and adaptation? but horizontal gene transfer is at least in E. coli and, 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 and in bacteria. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing. A bacterium can saddle up next to another bacterium and put this little shoot out, go into the other bacterium and they can, in fact, the other bacterium can do it in reverse and then they can just transfer a little bit of DNA, go on with their lives as a new strain. I mean, wow. Uh, and then, and then from my DNA sequencing work, I'm figuring out that like 40% of everything is unclassified. And then there's this like 10 to 14% that's always human. And so there's a collection of genes that passes through everything. And they're like commonly held by everything. And I think we're identifying them as human. Mm. And they're actually just ubiquitous. Yeah, and theor theoretically, I've read that DNA can last millions of years hmm. and as it breaks down. Mm -hmm. And so I'm pretty sure the 40% unclassified that we are always seeing is fragments of DNA that are pieces hmm. of de dead and breaking down DNA. Cause when we do DNA sequencing, we spend all day and often two days trying to break the DNA down. We're bombarding mm -hmm. it with caustic salts. We're like, doing like constant be like we're putting beads in there with it and, and the proprietary yeah, chemicals. And so it's, it's like, that's just to get it to break down. And so what, what are your thoughts about that? It's just, you know, we think about humus. What is humus? You know, it's, uh, it, uh, you know, I'm coming to think and, you know, it's just, it's, it's dead parts of bacteria. Um, and you can't break it down anymore. And so if it's dead parts of bacteria, it's got to have, you know, little DNA pieces and all that kind of stuff in there. And whew, yeah, it's, there's just so much we just don't know. Uh, we can't see it. We don't know it. And we're learning to see it. I think that's, you know, if I, it, you know, James uses conifocal, you know, whatever it's called, uh, you know, it's, it's how we look at things so that we can see stuff because humans don't believe stuff until we can see it. And, and so, you know, his, his kind of microscopy is just, I guess, not available to everybody. And, 
And so they're not seeing what he's seeing. Mm. They will. Um, well, yeah. he's in this paper that I have, he goes over step by step. I can share it with you that each stain and how it was done. Oh, yeah. credits this. Okay. You've seen it. Yeah. So, oh yeah. And the students are all in there. I mean, that's the thing about so awesome. James. God, can you, I mean, I, I want to come back. I want to come back, do my undergraduate with Dr. Elaine and then do my graduate with James, you know, I mean, holy crow, but that, you know, so that's what we, you know, that's what we try to do. We read everything they write. Oh, oh, it's yeah. just fabulous. Uh, so yeah. the, the wild thing is it's like Elaine Ingham, you know, when she says, Oh, well, we don't want a pathogenic creating environment. That's literally the horizontal gene transfer situation where you have E. coli, which has millions of species. They call it the universal chassis and yeah. they start taking up genes from the pathogenic environment, expressing the environment and then their pathogens. Yeah. I want to be able to prove that they're dropping the genes and taking up those, like, I don't know how yet though, but if we can, I mean, I don't know how she even knew that. It's like, how did she know yeah. that? It's amazing. Well, she studies this stuff. She's smart. Um, yeah. And then, and then of course you, you think about all the, all the master gardeners of the world, you know, who are beginning, who, you know, who, who were told at the beginning, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, we, this is what we teach and that, you know, and now they're all talking compost and all these things that, that, that people have been pushing. And it's whew, again, I, I mean, I just, what a, what a gift she gave us. Uh, yeah. I think it's, it's opened this huge door. I mean, thinking about rhizophagy and then thinking about how it applies to trichomes, uh, plant hairs, I mm -hmm. feel like we're going to have misters that are like super specific timing. It's like, oh, this happens right before the sun hits them. We lightly missed it so that it dries into them. doesn't cause any like possible, like, you know what I mean? Water issues, right? But it, but it re-inoculates them with very specific biology that causes this terpene to peak. And you know what I mean? Like, right? <laughs> well, you know, we, we talk about uh, terpenes in, the, in those trichomes because obviously uh, if you're into cannabis, that's, that's what counts. Wow, bacteria talk to each other in terpene language. So that's why it made so much sense. I mean, it's just... Uh, but it's the growth aspect, and again, I, I, it's hard to get your, 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 you know, your, the fact that they grow because the bacteria cause them to grow, so that they can be spit out into the soil or out into onto the philosphere. Wow! Um, so that's microbial information that they're taking into their bodies, and then it's modulating the way they feel. That is intense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I, re I remember seeing a picture of, uh, was in Houston. I think it was Houston, Texas of a, a neighborhood. They've had a snow snowfall. And, uh, I would say, uh, there were four or five, six lawns, maybe five of them had snow on them. And the fifth one didn't It was right in the middle of the other ones. Hmm. Because it had an endophyte in it, obviously, uh, that you know, that raised the freezing point. I mean, holy crow, these things do all sorts of stuff. Uh, and these bacteria are capable of producing all of the phytohormones 
that a plant produces. And so they're inside endophytic uh, and they're minding their own business producing a plant hormone for whatever reason they have, helping the plant. Well, you know, they're producing gibberellic acid, causing them, wow. Uh, now, sometimes they produce things that cause the plant to die uh, or to rot, you know, the fruit to rot, et cetera, et cetera. But that's all endophytic. And, and we've all been using endophytic uh, uh, bacteria probably ever since we started gardening, uh, you know, using, uh, you, you take your, your pea plants and you roll them through a rhizobium. That's an endophytic bacteria. So uh, bacteria is phenomenal. I've been finding rhizobia in every compost. Mesorhizobia, Brady rhizobia, uh, Bocholderia, in everything. And so what I realized is that um, because it makes it through hot compost just fine, that means that it's, it's, it's part of the digestion feedback loop for all ruminants that are eating yeah. legumes. Sure. Well, you know, a lot of the, most of these bacteria, they go through the, the, the compost. And that's sort of the, the strange thing, because if you treat them wrong, they don't live, but they go through hell in compost. I mean, it's just, uh, it's really something. Um, and the fungi and all, it's, it's, again, I wish I'd gone back and, you know, been a, a little bit oh, more, I, I, I majored in geology. Uh, I should have done mineralogy would have been a lot more fun, but uh, geology is useful, obviously gardening and things that go into plants, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's, it's, it's the microbiology that fascinates me. I mean, holy crow. Whew. David Montgomery is, you know, he was geology as well. Right. Yeah. I, I remember reading his book and actually I just, I've been communicating a little bit with him because I want him to take a look at this book because his first book uh, had a segment in there about how the stomach operates and the how the intestines operate. Mm. Uh, and it turns out this book I just, that's coming out and so the bacteria back into the root meristem cells, the same way they back into the intestines with the same chemicals, butyric acid. Ooh. You know, it's just like, so we've always talked about how the stomach is just like the soil, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it is. Uh, oh. and, and it's really, it's really something. Um, I want to connect all our work to Dr. Like Zach Bush's work, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I feel like it's, we're so close. I feel like there's this like thin wall and we've all been tunneling for like, like a hundred years at this point, And it's like, just, we just have to break through. I don't think, I don't think it's a thin wall. I think it's still thick. I think we're learning so much amazing stuff we can't imagine, but uh, you know, instrumentation gets better and better. And it's just, whew, well, that's the thing. To be we got to get people sensitized. It feels like and aware and, 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 and like looking at their soil um, and, and, and composting well. And, and I, I think testing, and and looking oh, yeah. closer at things, that's gonna yeah. cause a, it's gonna cause a soil soil science revolution. Well, that's why I, I think this microbiometer. You 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 should contact them. We'll uh, afterwards. I'll put you in touch. We'll okay. see whether we can. Uh, it, it is such an unbelievable thing. For years, ever since the book came out, I've been looking for a way to be able to endorse products and say to people, yes, this product cause, this product teams with microbes. This one doesn't. 
Uh, and here's the test results to tell you this is this is the instrument. I call it an instrument. I mean, it's just it's just so simple to use. You. You know, and and then put it down on this little card and take a picture of it, and that you're done. Tells you wow. everything you need to know. And so, so the the, the challenge has been, uh, and you can appreciate this: how do we get the United States Department of Agriculture to understand this is just as important as knowing what the pH is? Who do you go to? Well, you know, they you know their funding comes from different places, and it's about uh, you know this is not maybe not something big industry wants to see out there. Uh, what happens yeah, when you put so, that chemical so, fertilizer on your soil and your microbiomass goes down? Oh. So what do you think about the idea of the open transparent database where we're showing our test results and then showcasing on a bioregional, starting with our bioregional levels and our local farmers that the healthy soils create the healthy plants? Okay, so the microbiometer people are doing that. And so they sell this thing all around the world. I haven't, I haven't looked recently. I've only, uh, this was all in conversation. You know, they'll tell you if you're in Australia, what a good soil looks like, you know, what the, I mean, they, they've got a database, which they share. Uh, and awesome. when you take a test, it goes into the database. So they're doing what you, what you want to do. Uh, again, unfortunately, Judith Fitzgerald died and uh, she was right up there. I'm telling you, it's just, you know, she's, right up there terrific unbelievable it's so <sighs> hard i mean it was like michael phillips recently passed away um the giants yeah. in our communities yeah, um, yeah yeah so empowering everyone to get involved i think your books are absolutely incredible i'm so excited so excited because it's it's true we're teaming with these these microbes it's the exact perspective and yeah. mindset you need <laughs> well you know and it's it's uh, again i i get credit for this stuff but it's really the subject matter has nothing to do with me but those books i got them up there i guess someplace over there but downstairs i've got the translations and i am dumbfounded how many i mean you know you pick up a book uh, I got contacted by the government of Turkey. The government of Turkey published the books. Wow. Uh, um, you know, Korean, French, uh, um, Slavol. I mean, I, got, I have a bootleg copy, uh, and it's bootleg because they took it from me, Romanian. Uh, how many Romanian gardeners are there? Well, uh, there's a soil food web book for them to be able to read. So, so hopefully the word's getting out there. Uh, and I know it, it's getting out there. It's Spanish now. It's uh, uh, Portuguese, uh, Dutch. Um, we're talking to China uh, about Chinese. And so, so yeah, people are learning about it. And frankly, it's the, it's the science. Yeah. So, so you can't deny it to talk about being a chemical oriented society is, uh, you know, it's like talking about Trump winning the election. It's just, it doesn't work. It didn't happen. It doesn't work. You gotta go to the, <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta go to the science. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's the answer right there. Uh, the chemical situation is not sustainable. It's, it's not regenerative. And if we're learning anything, we've got to be regenerative because we're, we're losing everything. We have, you know, how many years 
soil we got left. This is so stupid. When we could be building soil, holy crow, uh, we better be because our kids won't be eaten if we don't. <laughs> Terrible. It feels like somewhat disingenuous that like, I mean, the atmosphere is like, uh, like on average 78% nitrogen and that we're like reliant upon this nitrogen synthetic fertilizer that destroys organic matter, destroys fungi upon application. And so it's like, I, this is something that's so abundant. Everything we've mentioned, exactly everything we've mentioned is like, oh, we're talking about the fact that endophytes fix nitrogen. We're talking about the trichomes have uh, endophytes, which means they fix nitrogen. And then roots, we're talking about rhizobia, which fixes nitrogen. And it's, it's, it's kind of endless. You know what I mean? It's like you can do so many things to bring in the nitrogen naturally and then have plants that are more nutrient dense and more uh, have a better equilibrium. And it, it feels like, like on purpose. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, money talks, money talks. Uh, when you think, I'm old enough to know that in, in 1964, I think in November or something or October, uh, they ran a Life magazine, which everybody got back then, uh, cover organic food. Uh, now you think about what supermarkets looked like when you were a kid. There was no organic food section. Now we've got organic food sections. We've got big organic food sections. Uh, we've overcome the concept that uh, you know growing organic doesn't make a bit of difference. You know all that kind of propaganda bullshit that came out, um, and that we've been able to say no, it does make a difference. It makes a difference from nutrient density. You know bricks all day right on down the road. So. It's it, it's happening, but it's too slow. We don't. We've got 40, 50 years. Well, you know, this should happen tomorrow. And and so I feel like we got to go to the people directly, and that's why I've been focusing on getting people motivated. And I'm going to have it like ranked. So the person with the highest organic matter uh, matter levels, like the highest, the farm with the highest organic matter levels in your bioregion, you'll be able to see it. And right. that's the place to you know go to the farmers market with. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Well, no, it's true. And, 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 and uh, there ought to be tests. This is the nutrient density of this particular food or that particular oh, food. Yeah. So, so, um, do you yeah, have a bio-nutrient it's, it's, meter? Have you tried that out? Bio-nutrient? No, I do bricks. Okay. Uh, I've got a bricks bio meter, a bio-nutrient meter. I want to do a little, like, I mean, it's plant sap analysis is expensive, yeah. uh, but, but I want to marry all those things and, because when we do tests against tests, we get very interesting results. Yeah. So I love the holistic, well, you know me, I love to try to get as many perspectives as possible. Right, that's right. All. You're gonna love this microbiometer, I'm telling you. It really, it just changed my whole way of looking at the testing because you know, pH, pH, to me, pH only counts when it's right around the rhizosphere. I don't care what the pH is up at the surface. I don't care what it, you know, it's, and how do you measure that at the rhizosphere? It's very difficult. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, now you can using this system, but but um, again, convincing convincing farmers who have to make a living to make the change is very difficult to do. That's why we, we you know you we, we can start with gardeners because it's pretty simple to do, uh, and hopefully some of this stuff filters up. Uh, 
when I go to the supermarket, I look for organic foods. I grow organic foods. Why would I want to buy chemical foods? Yeah. Hopefully people, people are doing that. And that's, that's sort of key to all of this stuff. But what do you just, think of the Ward's Haney test where they're doing the, the, the CO2 respiration and color paddles? You know, Judith convinced me that they're no good. But I, you know, what do I know? She just, I, I believe in anything she said. Uh, uh, she was <laughs> such a great microbiologist. Uh, I, you know, I, I need to know more about it before I can make a comment. I right. guess that's the best, best thing to say. Uh, what do I know? I'm, I, you know, I'm, I and was it's all generalized. It's all generalized. Yeah. There's no separation of fungal to bacterial. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it'd be interesting to see like the, the addition, you know, because it allows us to provide, or at least this is what I'm going to do. It's going to allow me to like in context, see if maybe the, the, the respiration expresses differently than they expect in relation to the amount mm -hmm. of, because, because it's either, or right. Either there's like a few more microbes that aren't being read on the microbreeder, or there's more respiration and their way of calculating respiration to no numbers is wrong, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which makes sense. I yeah. mean, like that's one of the arguments is it's like, well, microbes differ in their ability to like digest sugars, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then that would yeah. change the rates of, of CO2 release. Yeah, it's not really my area of expertise, but it is fascinating okay. stuff. All of this stuff is just, you know, whew. Uh, yeah, I gotta get this on my screen. There we go. The the whole concept of of measurement uh, is, you know, and I think in the early days that's that was one of the things that really got people. I mean, how do you, compost tea? Uh, how do you measure what's going on, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera? I mean, I, and there is something that's so, sort of strange. I mean, I always had great success with compost tea. If I if I had crappy soil and good soil. You know, putting the compost tea on the good soil didn't make a bit of difference, but putting it on the crappy soil made a difference. And I could mm. never figure out why that why people couldn't replicate that. Uh, that's the big complaint about compost tea. It's very hard to replicate, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and so What's there that? again, coming easy up with standard. Yeah. Compost always works like magic. Uh, <laughs> I don't get it, but uh, yeah, so, so, sort of crazy stuff, but uh the world is changing and it's getting much more organic as we go in many, many ways. Uh, although big agri, whew, man, it's got a hold on us. Definitely has a hold on us. Yeah. Uh, and it's. Well, I, I really appreciate your work, your continued efforts. And I love the way your books look. So if it's one person that's been doing it this whole time, or if it's you, I mean, man, you are amazing. You are. Well, Timber, I Timber love Press it. Is, Timber Press has really been terrific and they're fun to work with. And and uh, now they've been purchased by another big, gigantic company, but they've kept their, you know, it's a nice Portland-based, Portland, Oregon-based uh, publisher. And, and they concentrate on gardening books and and they only take a few and they really concentrate on that. And the editor, the the, the editor that I have, I've, I've, I've had for uh three out of the four books and she's just so terrific uh and has such a great sense of humor and you know it's very hard to write a book and, and so i want to put a little wisecrack in you know most editors and that goes no uh so we work well together and the formula is pretty simple i mean science first application 
and the science on, on this one was not that easy. I mean, you know, uh, how, how do you explain this stuff without getting complicated? And it's very tough. I, tr I try never to use a chemical formula. <laughs> um, I, you know, the, the, the Krebs cycle, I will never, ever include an explanation of the Krebs cycle in my book. Uh, it's too complicated. So they've been fun to write and people have been very, very, uh, very good to buy them and talk nicely about them. I, I really, <laughs> really appreciated that there. You put your soul out there when you write a book. It's, whew, and you never know how it's going to be received. And th this next one that's coming out, uh, which people can pre-order on Amazon, I might add, teaming with bacteria. It's, you know, as we know, this this is such brand the rhizophagy was discovered in 2010. That's not that far off. Uh, we got a long ways to go. Uh, and in just the past couple of years, James's students and James have come, really come a long, long way. Uh, and the difference between what was known in 2010 and 11. Uh, from the Australian group that's, that discovered this to the Rutgers group, which has carried it forward. Wow. They've really changed the whole, the whole perspective and, and uh, what's actually going on in this, this system. So it's, and that, and that's happening with every single individual organism, nematodes, uh, you know, each one, people are learning more and more and more about how they operate the interconnection and uh whew, never ending unfortunately now i get on my real soapbox unfortunately the biggest problem we have in this country and in the world is we teach our kids about dinosaurs and not microbes mm. so stupid dinosaurs that gone they really don't add a lot to our current knowledge base they certainly don't make us better gardeners or people uh they have nothing to do with our bodies uh, we never come across them. Uh, they don't impact us in any way, whereas microbes do. And there's no reason why a little kid can't have a plush toy of an E. coli uh, the same way he does of T-Rex and learn the names of the bacterium uh, over the, you know, by the time they're five and be able to spell and list them the same way they can all these complicated dinosaur names. It's a mistake. And our education system needs to change. Uh, and once that happens, people have much finer appreciation for what's going on. You know, until until you know where our country is on the map, means nothing to you. And it's the same thing with this stuff. So that is amazing. I that's inspiring, and I, I feel like I should do a children's book next. So uh, so many of the things things I do is it has that cartoon quality to it yeah 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 no your 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 diagrams in the book would be perfect for this kind of stuff there there is one soil food web book for the children um uh it's what is it? tom Pugh wrote it a guy named tom Pugh in tucson arizona uh but we need that we need books for kids that talk about microbes and how they operate and what they do and uh, you know, your body is more microbes than not. And how does that happen? And whew, where did they come from? And what's little microscopic cellular stuff? Do we, we need to know that stuff. And we don't we don't learn it until we get into late high school uh, and college. And that's a, that's a real machine mistake of our educational system, I think. But I completely agree. Yeah. And you're a teacher, so you're, 
Yeah, I'm an English teacher and I was an aspiring writer and 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 I was actually a science fiction writer. <laughs> really? Yeah, wow. and and I I basically just was um white noise in the in the publishing industry when I started off and stuff. Uh, yeah, well, your book looks just like one of the Timber Press books. You could clearly have them publish them for you. The uh um the the idea of science fiction, I mean, isn't this all sort of science fiction? I mean, what happens inside a cell and the, the way a the way a boron molecule gets into the cell and what form it has to be in and how the charge operates and 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 the pump and mechanism to, to get it across the member, the whole idea of membranes. Oh my gosh. Uh I mean, a basic thing that every gardener ought to know about, nobody does. It's just a shame. It's just absolutely a shame. And the way they're put together and the way they work, and it's just so beautiful. And then you look at the pictures of them, little rafts of of things floating inside these membranes that are around every cell. Uh, and then the whole concept of a little space between the inside of the cell wall and the the membrane itself and things happening in there. <laughs> What a bunch of nerds we are. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There's so many it. more important things to do. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. Fashion Thank you stuff. so much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you. Well, and and my trilogy is inspired by your trilogy. And there you go. went into the plants. And so I felt like I, in honor of that, I went into the soil. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And the soil is everything. I mean, and it really is everything. And if we don't wake up and pay attention, it's gone. Um, mm -hmm. I, lo I love the story that uh, back in the 30s in the Dust Bowl era, uh, there was a gigantic storm in the Dust Bowl and uh, folks in Washington, D.C., I kind of remember whether they were trying to, they were doing something that was going to impact the Dust Bowl in a positive way and they couldn't get the votes. And they were in Washington, D.C. and they looked out the window and all the dust had blown over through Washington, D.C., et cetera, said, man, oh, man. You know, we, we read these stories and we don't understand that that was inches of soil going and just feet of soil disappearing. Wow. Uh, we got to prevent that from happening. And and the stuff that you and I are talking about is the only way that that works. Uh, so. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. Indeed. So and when the book comes out, we'll we'll we'll, we'll do a. Thing. We'll hold up some pictures, and uh, the pictures are amazing, aren't they? I mean, they're incredible. James, James is. This is why I actually have come up with all these different ways of visualizing things, and why I got this microscope, because James is an artist. I mean, yeah. he gets these incredible pictures, and then he's. It's like his use of stains are dynamic. He's like, oh, I'm going to be able to map this by doing this, and I'm like, wait. First of all, how did you figure that out? And then he has nine stains in a row and each taking a snapshot. And then I'm like, okay, how did you time when to stain so that you would get it in this stage of the process? Like, it was just masterful. Yeah, yeah. So let's take, for example, the, la the pictures that just came out. We're filming this on the same day as the first pictures from the Hubble telescope. Uh, and those first pictures that came out, uh, of the universe with all the, 
additional stars and the colors. The colors are unbelievable. There's that one, I'm sure you can remember, there's that one picture that James took of the, of the root with ha having had five or six explosions from the root hairs, uh, and they're in blue, and inside you can see the browns and the purples and the yellows. Oh, my God. Yeah, I want to come back. As I say, I want to, I want to be a grad student uh, in James's lab. That would be fun. Really fun. That's amazing. Yeah, one of my one of my challenges for myself um, this <laughs> fall is I want to re replicate his work, like at my home lab, running through his papers because he he tells you exactly what to do. I mean, he lays it all out. That's what makes him such an incredible teacher, and he gives yeah, credit yeah. every step of the way to each student. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to, to lay out, here's the process of how you isolate an individual, you know, endophyte. Uh, this is which the steps you need to go through, and this is the chemicals you need to use and when you add them. And, yeah, the whole thing is just simply phenomenal. And you're right. I mean, the, that last paper that came out, it was essentially his students that wrote it. And he just was the, uh, you know, he put them all, wow, it was terrific. It was just terrific. And, I, and I, you know, it must be amazing to go on a picnic with those guys. You know, I mean, because how can they not be as excited and into that stuff as we are? Just looking at it from the outside. I'm so jealous. Well, that's what inspired the, they were on the roof and they found a hackberry growing in the roof tiles. And they all looked at each other and said, this must mean something. And then they started <laughs> testing it. And then realized it was like, that's a cousin of, uh, of cannabis. They're in the same family. And so they were like, and I think it was a hackberry, um, but, but it, 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 was, it was what inspired it. It was this plant in the roof and it's same family as cannabis. And that's why it led to him studying hemp. And it's, it's just wild. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, and those latest discoveries with regard to the trichomes are just going to, set the industry uh uh you know and it's interesting that that particular industry is the one that probably is the best in terms of adopting new uh modern thinking about how how you do stuff there is a series of endophytes uh whose names i can't remember because i got crs can't remember uh uh that that they're beginning to experiment with that are going to trickle down into the home gardener's ability to be able to use and it's just it's just terrific uh I, i'm working with a with a guy who's got a company he, this guy is he now owns the patent to a microbe uh that you that you put underneath a plant like say a tomato plant or a cannabis plant you put it underneath the plant and this fungi emits a gas that causes the plant to ripen and grow quicker 20 days and ripen quicker and the fruits are bigger and it's just, oh, holy wow patented uh, uh uh you know as soon as he gets the investors lined up on that one wow but all of that stuff's coming available and and we're all going to be we're all going to be better for it it's going to be just terrific and uh and you're right, being transparent about how these things work and operate is going to make more people discover new stuff. And, uh, and, and, and again, I can, you can tell you can hardly shut me up, and I know you're on Zoom and we only get an hour, but 
you know, we all, every one of us works in an individual garden or yard that's completely different from a microbial perspective in some regards than everybody else's. And, and uh, so we've each got the ability to be able to make some discoveries uh, about what makes our stuff grow better than the neighbors and things like that. It's just, it's exciting. It's a great time to be uh, uh, into this stuff. I think if we just start paying attention, we're going to notice um, in, incredibly large amounts of things. I mean, I know people now are doing mushroom hunts with the UV lights at night. They're seeing things that they've never seen before because when have we had teams of people like, combing the natural world with that wavelength, right? Yeah, yeah, we've had an interest, yeah. Right, and so it's in the same thing with this blue wavelength, the cyan blue wavelength. We're, we're seeing things that, that we're seeing things in the way they are perceived by the actual microbes in the wavelength that they experience two to three inches deep into the soil. And so the world looks functionally different. And so the, all the processes that you're iterating in your books and it, we can see it's, it's a, it's a fantastic moment to be involved because it's like, it's like, it's both that like the, like the ground floor is completely open. Like people can walk in and start learning about this, but it's also that like new discoveries like are right over the horizon. It feels like that's what I meant about yeah. like, you know, breaking. Yeah, through. yeah, 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 they are. They are. And of course I, you know, what I always have to tell people is I am not the scientist that discovers these things. I write about them. Uh, but it's Elaine and it's James and, you know, those are the people that do that stuff. And and to me, what makes these times exciting is that we've got these people out there that are constantly, you know, that have pushed away agribusiness and said, I'm not going to let you impact me. Uh, you're not going to prevent me from doing what I need to be doing uh, so that you protect your, your financial fiefdom. And these people are out there doing this stuff. Uh, you're one of them, you know, making discoveries and passing them on and, and uh, you know, making it easy for guys like me, and we can end here, uh, guys like me to be able to write a couple of books, you know, and spread the word of what you people have discovered, not me. And my hat is off to all the scientists of the world uh, who are reporting this stuff out and, uh, you know, encouraging, you know, people like me to write about this stuff so, so that the word is spread. Thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's do this again. Time. Take it easy. Regenerative soil microscopy is a manual for how to explore, assess, and evaluate your soil, your compost, your roots, mycorrhizae, and microbes, and more. And it's all stepped out. So it's visual. It's also written but you'll be able to follow along like a picture book and, and copy the steps. You'll be able to learn how to operate a microscope. You'll be able to learn how to work with stains. You'll be able to learn bright field, dark field, epifluorescence, all the most powerful modes of microscopy you'll have at your fingertips. And you'll be able to capture, catalog, assess and evaluate, and then make clear choices and decisions to improve that soil and it's going to take a public database to organize this information so that we can run this data against itself and that we can expose all these caveats and connections and get nearly an infinite amount of feedback and insight possibilities out of over 100 points of distinction that you can run against each other as well as dna so 
the DNA sequencing is going to unlock things even more and allow us to understand microscopy at such a deeper level. We're going to be able to check our answers, but when a thousand or a hundred thousand entries have been entered and we start connecting these things and going across bioregions, across pH, it will open the door to data that no scientist has ever had access to before and it's going to be public so we all have access to it so that information doesn't get locked up. But I need you to know how to operate your microscope and to catalog these things and interpret these things so that you can add to the database and be part of this. So I built an online community training and certification program that dovetails and goes deeper than the textbook. So it's we're there working together. There's live Q&A. There's live demonstrations and there's an online community where you can connect with people from all over the world interested in soil science. A new horizon in soil science is upon us and you're all invited to participate. And remember, it's a Kickstarter, so if you don't support it, it doesn't happen. Get Regenerative Soil Microscopy, the book, the course, and join us in the R-Soil database.